Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Well, good morning, everybody. It's brilliant to be with you. Uh, some of you may have only seen me on Zoom. In fact, it's amazing how when you meet people finally in person, how you have assumptions about like their size or you know whatever, and then you meet them in person, you're a little bit shocked. For example, I met this guy uh, only last week that I've worked with throughout lockdown in person. He'd always done it from his kitchen. Had a, a really good idea. I thought he was about five foot seven, uh, medium build. Met him six foot six, <laughs> huge. I was like, I think it's you. Just didn't really recognise him. Had the same face but a brand new, different body, massive. Um, so fascinating. It's great to see you all uh, today. I'm going to be looking at the book of one John. We'll be in chapter two, starting of verse 18. I'm also going to try and take us a little bit back to John's Gospel. Same writer, different passage, so if you want to have your thumb in somewhere you could also open up John 14. I work for an organisation called the Message Trust and my job takes me all over the nation, often to the most unglamorous places. Not the nicest places, not beautiful like views or anything like that, often to disadvantaged communities. This week I've been to Grimsby twice. Like it's it's a wonderful place. I have to say I'd never been before. Who knows, I may not well never go again, but, um, but my Friday visit was possibly the most fascinating trip I've, I've been on for a long, long time. I went to the, the UK's largest surplus food warehouse. It's based on an old REF base just outside Grimsby, uh, and my experience was crazy. I arrived there, and it was military. Even though it's not owned by the military, they had like a military kind of like regiment and, and rules and regulations. I was sh- herded into a building where I had to sign various disclosures and waiver forms. Uh, I had to uh, uh, pass on my details of my next of kin just in case I died while I was there. I, it was like, it was serious. They made me take my phone out, stick it in a locker just in case I te- was tempted to take photographs or record anything that I might see. And so it was like super secure. A super secretive. And then they gave us this tour, this tour around their site and their facilities. And it came to a crescendo outside this 10 foot uh, high door where the chief executive, you could tell this was like the highlight of the tour, the thing he's been waiting for more than anything. He stood by this green like button and he gave us this impassioned speech. And then he, he finished his speech by saying, Welcome to the storehouse of. Of the Lord and then he pressed this green button and this door slid across to reveal this giant warehouse full of surplus food racks upon racks of food floor to ceiling four racks high it was incredibly inspirational food that would have gone into landfill gone into waste that was being sent I think we're all right um, being sent to the hungry and to the poor around the country and 
around the nation. It was so cool. And every like pallet was named and, and, and like so there was rice over there and there's pasta over here and canned veg and all sorts of stuff. And then I noticed there was other stuff as well. There was like booze, leftover booze, if that's even a thing. There was like wine and beer and like tons of the stuff. Uh, and I wanted to know where that was going, but it, they didn't want to tell me because that was secret. And then and then there was toys, brand new toys, Fisher Price toys, boxes and boxes of toys. I was thinking, if only I could bring my kids, they would see the endless amount of toys. And then I noticed pallets, pallets with designer labels on, Gucci, Dior. Ralph Lauren, all that kind of stuff, Tommy Hilfiger, and I just couldn't resist. I had to ask, what is with all the designer gear? And they said, this was the stuff that trading standards take from like, um, really, Cheatham Hill and Berry New Road, when they do a raid and they seize all that stuff, it gets sent to this place and they send it to like Africa. Like, in like the orphanages of Liberia, there are kids wearing designer Tommy Hilfiger gear that, are, that has been... That has been taken from the streets of Manchester. I was just like so fascinated with it. It was so incredible. You know what? I was looking at the quality. They kind of showed me what they do and how they put their logo on it instead and they cover up all this kind of designer stuff. I was like, this stuff is mint. Like really good. I was hoping they'd say, and you can take some with you. But they, they really weren't up for that. Excellent reproductions. You wouldn't have known it wasn't the real thing. And it's... Uh, and it's fakes and frauds and counterfeits and forgeries that we're talking about this morning. It's that, not the issue of, of, of counterfeit clothes, but John writes to us here in 1 John chapter 2 about counterfeit Jesuses, counterfeit Christs. Not in a pallet on a shelf, but in the church itself. John writes this from verse 18. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know that it is the last hour. The church is still young. John writes to them and calls them children. They've been waiting for Jesus to come back. They're so excited and, and, uh, and, and passionate about seeing Jesus. They've been waiting for his return. Jesus said, I'm coming back and they are expectant. I want to be like that. I want to be someone who all the time is expectant for Christ to turn up at any moment. This season between the first coming of Jesus, that's that first Christmas, and his second return, which is like the end of the age, is called the last hour or the last days. And they're living in it. It's not called the last century or the last millennium because everybody thought it was going to be so short that Jesus was coming soon. And so people are looking for Jesus everywhere. If you've got long hair and a beard, they're like wondering if you're Jesus, come back from heaven. But they also know this, that before Jesus returns, there's going to be this guy show up called the Antichrist. He won't have a badge on saying Antichrist. He won't be dead obvious necessarily who he is, but they're a little bit worried about him. Jesus talks about this guy, the Antichrist. He calls him the abomination that causes desolation. 
He quotes the prophet Daniel about a guy that's going to show up and everybody's going to think he's the Messiah. He's going to pretend to be Christ and he's going to deceive many and he's going to persecute the church or anybody that might reject him. Throughout history, loads of people have been accused of being the Antichrist. Dictators like Hitler, he's the Antichrist. Various uh, US presidents, Antichrist. Like uh, Trump was the Antichrist. Obama, the Antichrist. And anybody who's ever been the Pope has been the Antichrist. People have been looking for the person who will get in the way of Jesus, claim to be the Lord and Saviour. And now it's the super rich. Those people who've got so much money that they could control the world. Bill Gates, there's a website, Bill Gates the Antichrist. Or Jeff Bezos, you know, he's already got us because we use Amazon for everything, so he must be the Antichrist. And if you want to kill some time, look at Barney the Dinosaur. Why Barney the Dinosaur <laughs> is the Antichrist. There are, there's, there's a whole theory out there, I'm not making this up, Barney the Dinosaur, why he is the Antichrist. People have got views on who he is, but John wants to warn the church. He's not just worried about someone who might come in and claim to be Jesus. He's he's worried that there'll be someone who comes to lead the people of God astray. John is convinced that this is the last hour because he can see all around him all these little mini antichrists popping up all over the place. Some of them used to be in the church teaching people false stuff. Making people doubt who Jesus really was. There's a battle for truth going on. In John's Gospel, in chapter 14, Jesus says these incredible words, famous words you'll have heard before. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you'll know my Father as well. From now on, you'll know him and have seen him. The Antichrists would have hated this kind of truth. See, they've been seeking to undermine the truth that Jesus taught. At that time, there was this group called the Gnostics. They said they were Christians, but they had this like, belief that knowledge would get them to heaven. That, that somehow their knowledge was the way to get to God. But Jesus says, he's the way. They've hung around in churches claiming to have superior knowledge, that they had some kind of higher truth. But Jesus says, he is the truth. They believe that um, the more you knew, the fuller and better your life would be. But Jesus said, he is the life. They taught that Jesus was not sent from the Father. He was just a regular bloke. That he wasn't God incarnate, that he wasn't God's only son. And that Jesus, although he died, didn't die as the Messiah. And therefore his death on the cross was a waste of time. He didn't defeat sin. There had to be a new way to defeat sin. And so he was not God. You can see that there's this battle for truth going on. And John is going to have none of it. You know, growing up, I was really fearful. I think maybe the church that I was in must have done some teaching on the Antichrist. But I was really freaked out about the idea of the Antichrist. What if I can't spot the Antichrist? What if I fall for his teaching? What if I lose my faith? I end up going the wrong way and then I find myself without God. But John gives us this incredible promise. He says this, 
but you have an anointing from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. We have no need to fear. We have the Holy Spirit. We got Him at Pentecost, as Rob shared today. We have the Holy Spirit and this anointing from Him. And His anointing upon us means that we know truth. In John 14, let's just take you back. John says this, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, and will be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be with you. The Spirit of truth is the Holy Spirit. And when we are anointed with him, we have truth remaining with us, living with us. And that truth will help us to battle against unbelief. He is the helper that is with us. And Jesus goes on to explain the help that the Holy Spirit gives. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. See, the false teachers were looking to deceive the church. They're looking to distort the truth and undermine Jesus. But the Holy Spirit will come to teach us and remind us of what Jesus has said. I don't know about you, but I need that. I so easily get distracted by one thing or another. But the Holy Spirit lives within me and he directs me back to truth. Reminds me of the things that Jesus says, the truths by which he lived. I need the Holy Spirit to be my helper and to remind me of all that Jesus said. Back to 1 John, verse two, from, uh, chapter 2, verse 27. As for you, the anointing you receive from me remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. What an incredible teacher the Holy Spirit can be. Open your scripture and begin to ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and teach you, and you will find you see things that you would have never seen before. John is saying, John isn't saying, don't listen to the guy at the front of the church teaching you from the scriptures. He's saying, you don't need these other teachers, these antichrists that come to distort and distract you. Stick to the truth. Jesus says, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Sometimes we get so caught up in the job of the Holy Spirit, but he has promised to us to remain with us and guide us in what is true and how to live. With the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we are able to discern what is a lie. We are rooted in the truth of who Jesus is. And that truth is unchanging. John writes about it being the same teaching that once was. It's the same teaching that remains. And it's the Holy Spirit that keeps us rooted and fixed in the unchanging truth of the gospel. There's something exciting about new teaching. There's something tempting. I find it so easy to be drawn to someone who comes up with some new view of God or of Christ. 
the latest thoughts on Jesus, theories, new theories and new theologies, the latest interpretation of the Bible, the coolest version, the most relevant ideas about theology. It still happens today, I see it around me. Maybe there's this new uh, understanding of an ancient Hebrew word or text and then suddenly like this whole new version of Christianity pops up. We want the latest version of the gospel. A version that uh, fits more comfortably with the world in which we live. We want to modernise Jesus so he fits with our politics or our philosophy or our view on society. I'm really sad about the fact that I've got two friends throughout lockdown who have allowed themselves to stray from the truth. Their version of Jesus now looks something very, very different to the original. They've chosen a path that's now led them away from the church. They've reduced Jesus to just being a really good guy with some interesting teachings and therefore they no longer call him Lord and Saviour. They no longer believe that he was sent from a loving Heavenly Father, sent to live a life of righteousness and die upon a cross for sin. They no longer believe he rose from the dead victorious once and for all. They no longer believe that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. The way to the Father, and it breaks my heart. Where did it go wrong? They moved from the truth, they weren't reliant on the Spirit to keep them steadfast on what was original and what, was, and what still remains. But as for you, verse 24, as for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. The anointing of the Holy Spirit keeps us rooted in truth, the unchanging truth. He keeps us in Jesus. And those who are in Jesus, the scripture tells us, are in the Father. And to be in the Father is to have eternal life. The Holy Spirit wants to help us. Root us in Jesus. Jesus is in the Father. And that is the place of eternal life. We may think to ourselves, you know what? You don't need to worry about me. I'm not going to fall for the Antichrist. I'm not going to be dissuaded. I'm going to stay in the truth. No one's going to deceive me. I'm all good. Nothing's going to undermine Jesus and his gospel. That's great. Bless you. But let's look carefully at the voices that we allow to speak into our lives. What are the voices that influence the way that we think? Think about all that comes into our eyes through social media. All that the TV says over us. What do we read in the news or the books that we fill ourselves with? What are are we allowing them to tell us is the truth? It's not just wacky Bible teachers that we need to guard against. But it's the small, inconsequential voices that we think will have little influence on our life. That drip feed thoughts about what is true and therefore we must pray that most ancient of prayers on the day of Pentecost let's remind ourselves to pray come Holy Spirit come 
Holy Spirit. When we remember that the Holy Spirit on Pentecost came and filled those apostles, came and established the early church, came and rooted the early church in truth, the truth of the gospel, reminding them of all that Christ did and said. Let's ask that same Spirit to fill our lives afresh today. 